Um, this morning, I'm going to preach a message called The Bankrupt Soul. The Bankrupt Soul. And this is all based around three verses of the Bible in chapter Matthew, chapter Matthew, book Matthew, chapter 13. Uh, Jesus is speaking in parables. He just told the disciples a parable about how the Word is scattered like seed and some falls on... Um, some falls on the path and some falls to birds and they get a whole lot out of that. And so Jesus continues to teach in parables. And there's a reason why Jesus teaches in parables. There's many reasons why. Number one, it's so he can relate to the people that he's talking to who create a parable about something that he sees. In the case today, it's about a field that people work in, like a field, a paddock. He's like, hey, the kingdom of God is like a paddock. See, there's one just here. And so he uses that to contextually um, make it relevant to the people that are listening. He uses them to create layers within his teaching that someone with a limited understanding might perceive at this layer, but someone who's more mature might perceive at this layer. He also uses it because the kingdom of God um, wasn't supposed to be understood by everybody that listens. In fact, using parables allowed him to speak the secrets of the kingdom of God to some people, but not others. And I find as you listen to parables, in some of them, sometimes parables are like art. In the fact that you can look at a piece of art and I am not an art connoisseur. I don't know the different, you know, my, it's wasted taking me to a museum. But even when I see a great piece of art, I can tell that the strokes and the colours do something in me. I don't understand what it's supposed to capture all the time, but I understand that it means something to me for a reason. And so parables also did that. And so Matthew chapter 13, verses 44 to 46 is Jesus teaching on two parables, back-to-back parables. And in our theme as a church of pursuit, that as a church, as a people, we are chasing after the heart of God this year in January and February and our theme for the whole year. I think there's no greater thing that we can do right now than create a desperate heart within ourselves for the things of God in our life. And so pursuit, and these parables speak to pursuit. Matthew 13, verses 44 to 46 says this, the kingdom of heaven is like treasure buried in a field that a man found and reburied. Then in his joy, he goes and sells everything he has and buys the field. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant in search of fine pearls. When he found one priceless pearl, he went and sold everything he had and bought it. Let me provide a bit of context around this because uh, this parable would have been like an everyday example for the people listening to it. Back in those days, there's uh, no banks, there's very limited investment opportunities. And so what did people do with their wealth? If you were a wealthy person, it was kind of dangerous to be rich because you were the target of robbers, um, often the target of corruption, and often war would, street, would sweep through a land and then if you had whatever wealth possessions you had, they got taken, plundered, and you had them no more. So people usually dealt with their wealth in two ways. The first way was they would hide it. They would bury it, maybe in a field that they owned, maybe underground, maybe in the cleft of a tree, maybe under a rock. They would bury their wealth. And often back in those times, the person who had buried it died before they had a chance to go and get it and use it. And so people could find treasure underground, under rocks, in trees on different people's land. The second thing, other than hiding it, that you could do with your wealth is that you could make it portable and carry it with you. And this is what a lot of people did. Instead of having bags of gold, they bought precious jewels or maybe a pearl and carried it with them so they could take their wealth with them. 
And so, and Jesus is talking to this and he's speaking to this context. And so to us, it seems a little bit foreign, but to them, this was how you deal with your wealth. And Jesus was speaking into that. Now, these parables are similar, as you'd expect. They're back to back. And they start off by, in the same way, they start the same in the nature of the treasure. Then they diverge a little bit, like a, a river going around a rock. And then they meet again with they agree on how to, so they, they agree on the nature of the treasure. They say two different things about how you find the treasure, but then they unite around how we get and receive the treasure. And I wanna look at those things today because they really show how we can pursue the God in a biblical way. Because as we read through the God, as we read through the Word of God, our primary intention in reading the Word of God must be to understand what the person was saying or writing to those who were listening. That's called the interpretation of the Bible. Sometimes in our 21st century reading, we like to just apply exactly what we read without correctly interpreting it. So the, the correct process is interpret what the person was saying to the people listening for that context. Now we can apply it in our 21st century life. The danger if we apply before we interpret is that we get a different interpretation and we hold God to a promise that He may not have not said and we end up with a frustrated Christianity because we've read something and interpreted it incorrectly. So we need to find out exactly what Jesus was saying and then how we apply it to our life in the pursuit of God. So four things this is gonna tell us today we're gonna go through. One, the nature of the treasure. Two, the concealment of the treasure. Three, how to find it. And four, how to get it, getting the treasure. The nature, the concealment, how to find it, how to get it. That's what we're gonna go through. And at the end, you'll see how to pursue God in a much fuller way. We'll start with the nature of the treasure. What is the treasure? Jesus says and captures His audience with this statement, the kingdom of God is like treasure. Now treasure, as we see, there's a, there's a million movies about treasure. Treasure is important and it's always pursued. Like there's movies around like the Pirates of the Caribbean where pirates would kill and plunder to whatever they can to get their treasure. There's movies where people just seek their whole lives finding treasure. It causes people to kill for it, people to search their whole lives for it. It causes Matthew Mahoney to take his shirt off a lot for it and fool's gold if you've seen that. But those people are always pursuing treasure with a great intensity. They give up their lives, they give up their wealth, they give up their time to find it. Why do people pursue treasure? Because treasure is valuable. The idea is if I spend money on finding it or spend time on finding it, when I have this treasure, I'm gonna be far more rich than if I didn't have it. That's the notion, that's the whole idea around treasure, that if you have it, you are rich. And so Jesus captures everybody's attention with this statement, the kingdom of God is like treasure, saying just like pirates, pirates and treasure hunters, the kingdom of God needs to be pursued. It needs to be desired, it needs to be chased, it needs to be fought after. And when you get it, you will be rich because you'll have something of value. Now, what do I mean by rich? I'm obviously not talking about materialistic wealth here. I think it's better explained by uh, this analogy. Imagine you're walking in a desert uh, by yourself. You're completely alone. You've been lost in the desert. It's hot. It's about 50 degrees. You have no water, no food. You've been walking for days. And you know you're at your wit's end. You're knocking at death's door. You've got about 10 steps left before you fall over and where you lay is where you stay. 
And so you're at the end of it and you're walking along and about two steps right before you keel over, you kick something in the ground and you look down and you see this gigantic bag of gold. Now, in that moment, any other time in your life, you would love to find a bag of gold. But right now, in this moment, a bag of gold is not a good treasure for you to find. You can't eat a bag of gold. A bag of gold will not hydrate you and keep you alive. In fact, you would trade that whole bag of gold for one little 600 ml bottle of water. A little bottle of water would be a greater treasure to you in this moment than a bag of gold. Why is that? Because the water or food meets a much deeper and urgent need that you have. And this is what I find about this, that in this world, so many people are lost for purpose, are lost for meaning, or they find their purpose in you know, activism or achievement and they're lost for connection. They don't have any relationships beneath a surface level relationship. And without realising it, humanity has their soul in this condition, condition where there's a chaos or confusion. No matter the materialistic wealth they have, no matter the relational wealth they have, you could have great friends, great family, a lot of money, everything's going really well for you, but still internally, you can be a mess because just like in the desert, a bag of gold is, can't solve your most urgent and deepest need. And so Jesus, when He's saying the Kingdom of God is like a treasure, He's saying the Kingdom of God is a treasure. Alluding, and it alludes to the fact that without it, without God, every human being has a bankrupt soul. Every human being has a soul that is in poverty. Romans 3, verse 23 says that all have fallen short of the glory of God. Every single person. And you may do well in life and you may have a high opinion of yourself, but the Bible says that not even you, how great you are, the best person that has ever lived outside of Jesus, all have fallen short of the glory of God. Adam and Eve, they experienced a rich soul. Eden was described as a paradise, not because it was some really cool jungle, but because they had a richness in their soul. They had a purpose and a meaning and a security and they walked every day with God. But then in one moment, they traded it. The wealth of their soul, they traded it because the devil came along and he told them a lie. He said that, why have God when you can be like God? He sold them this lie that why have God, why, why have Him, why serve Him, why try and get it from Him when you can get it for yourself? And in this one moment, they sold out. They sold the richness of their soul because they thought something else could make them happier. They thought something else could make them fuller. And this soul poverty, this bankruptcy of soul, the Bible says is now a condition that's been passed down spiritually from generation to generation to generation to that all of humanity is born like this, with a bankrupt soul. And so I find people in their lives go searching and they try and refinance it with the wrong currency as they pursue relationships that don't matter and they put all their hope in a job or all their hope in some future that is never gonna fill this spot. And Jesus is talking about a treasure that meets the deepest Poverty, because today, it doesn't matter if you realise it or not, or people in your friendship circle and people not in the church, it doesn't matter if they know it or not, whether it's conscious or subconscious, the most urgent, deepest need in our life is the need for our sins to be forgiven and our guilt to be washed away, our conscience to be clear and for us to walk with God.
That is the deepest and most urgent need of every human being. And consider this for a moment, and this is, I find, a, an amazing thing that God has done, that if you, and, and consider who, where you are and your place in the universe, you're one of however many billion people are on the planet right now, and our planet is one of however many billion planets. So who you are as an individual is so small compared to the grand scale of God's creation. And so that may make you feel small, it may make you feel insignificant, but listen to this, that you are so great, you were created so great that if you owned the whole universe, it would still be too small to fill that poverty that is in your soul. Because it's not the right treasure. You can have the whole world. What does it profit a man to gain the whole world but lose his soul? We are dealing with a treasure that satisfies a human soul problem. And just like a diffuser can be in a room and its fragrance goes out to every corner of the room, this treasure sits in the centre of our heart and diffuses into our whole life and our whole body because every other treasure in the world, and there are great treasures, like you can have money, that's a good thing. You can have great family, great friends. These are all good things. You can have great achievements. Those are good things, but they all have one shortcoming is that they only satisfy a little corner of your human nature. That's why people who have heaps of money or heaps of one area are satisfied in there, but they still feel empty over here. This treasure is the only thing that can sit in the centre of your heart and diffuse out into the rest of your life. This treasure is the only thing that can refinance a bankrupt soul. And this is our only real treasure because I think this is our only eternally permanent treasure. Is something really yours if it can be taken away? If something really yours, if, if sickness can take it away, if a stock market can take it away, if, if inevitable death is gonna take it away, is it even really yours? But here Jesus promises a treasure that is ours for eternity and it's best captured in Romans 8, 38 and 39, it says this. For I am persuaded that neither death nor life nor angels nor rulers nor things present nor things to come nor powers nor height nor depth nor any other created thing will ever be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. See, pursuing God is about pursuing a treasure and a wealth that meets your deepest and most urgent need and yet satisfies your whole entire nature and can never be stolen or rotted away. That's the nature of the treasure. So Jesus starts with the kingdom of God is like a treasure. That's what He means. That's the nature of the treasure. And we move on to find the concealment of the treasure, a treasure that is not out in plain sight, but is in fact hidden. See, when we talk about a treasure in a field, sometimes we think that this guy was just leisurely walking along on his Saturday, walking through a random field. He's like, oh, there's some treasure. But what Jesus was actually linking it to was people's day-to-day -day jobs. See, this, if, when he turned to meant by in a field, most people worked in farming. Uh, and so they would be tilling and cultivating and farming this land. So when he's saying a man was, went to, into his field, he's saying a man's going about his day-to-day -day job, his day-to-day life. And in his day-to-day -day life, he's probably walked this field a thousand times. He may have, he knows where all the good soil is and he knows where the rocky parts are. He knows where the places that you can plant. He knows where every tree is. He knows this thing really well. But he's never considered that 30 centimetres, 
just a little bit beneath the depth of the soil might be this incredible treasure. And I've found this, that the treasure of God, the treasure of the kingdom often comes to the world in a form where its worth and its preciousness and its value is veiled from people's eyes. That even if we apply this to you and I today, we can come to church every week and maybe you've been coming to church for 10 years, 15 years, 20 years. We can come and hear a sermon about the same thing again and again. We've been so familiar with this. So we walk into worship and we step into praise and because we do this every week, it's like we've walked that field a thousand times. What else could there be for me here because I've been doing this for so long and we've missed the preciousness and the value of what this moment could be. And maybe you've been sitting in a service and even to this message, you'll go, I'm just gonna go, hear another message. Maybe I'll agree, maybe I'll disagree. And because you've been doing it for so long and become so familiar with it like this person, maybe you don't see the treasure, the glimpse of gold that's just beneath the surface. And this is how the Kingdom of God can hide from people's eyes, even if they are a Christian and following Jesus already that you miss the preciousness. And I could stand up here and tell you about how amazing Jesus is and how He died for your sin, how He sacrificed Himself for you. And sometimes we can listen and be like, yeah, no, that's good. Doesn't even stir us to excitement anymore because we've been here so many times and we've lost sight of the preciousness and the value of what that means to our life. There can be a concealment of the Kingdom of God and if it is concealed from us, then our intimacy with Him can drift and our expectation can lower and that lighthearted joy that is supposed to be the steady state of our life with the Holy Spirit can start to feel a bit distant to who we are. The treasure can also be hidden from people who have never seen it. People who don't follow Jesus, don't come to church, People who are focused on their world and creating a world for themselves and their ambitions and their drive. Because just like a person and then they see a field, it can be Christianity is something that's kind of mundane. Or I don't really need it, it seems useless. That's just a crutch for people who can't handle their life ball that the Kingdom of God can be concealed from people that do not follow Him. In fact, the Bible says that the cross is foolishness to people who can't see it. It's foolishness, but to us, it is the power of salvation. And so it can be concealed in that way from people who do not know Him as well because they cannot perceive the worth and value that's just beneath the surface if they looked. And so the treasure is hidden, not because God doesn't wish us to see it, but because we make ourselves blind sometimes to the amazing light of the glory of God And we must all ask ourselves when we're seeking God and when we're pursuing God in our own journey, in our own faith, we must ask ourselves, do I need to dig up again the preciousness of Jesus that's just under the surface in my life? We may need to pray the prayer again. God, will you open the eyes of my heart again that I can see what you are truly worth? The concealment of the treasure, that's how it's concealed. It's hidden from eyes sometimes. But there's good news, when it is concealed, there is also an option to find. How do we then find the treasure? And this is where the two parables take almost a divergent route, almost like go around the rock if water was flowing. How to find this treasure? 
And, and these two ways can both be applied to people who have not yet found Jesus. They don't know uh, His worth and His value and what He can bring to their world and the salvation that He brings, but it also applies to you and I. It also applies to how we can continue to grow and seek God. The first person who's in the field, the narrative of the first one is someone who worked in the field every day. They're cultivating, they're digging. And maybe it was just a lucky stroke of the spade where they hit something or maybe he shifted a rock for the first time. Maybe rain washed away some dirt, but for the first time, he starts to see this glimpse, a flash of gold beneath the surface of the dirt. And I am so thankful that this is one of the ways that we find the treasure because I go between both these ways of finding God all the time. That even when we're just going about our day to day, even when this guy was just in the field going around his day to day, he wasn't actively pursuing God, but God is always actively pursuing us. That in this moment, and we see it in the, in the case of Saul, uh, who became Paul, that he is handing out beatings and killings to Christians left, right and centre, then he's on the road on the way to Damascus and just like a light, a shine of gold was seen beneath the surface of the dirt, a light from heaven shone down into Saul's eyes and changed his trajectory of where he was going. That in our lives, sometimes we are going about our day to day, going about our normal day to day. And this can be if you do not know Christ or if you do, but I'm so grateful that even when we aren't pursuing God, God is always pursuing you. And even if sometimes you cannot see the value of Christ, you cannot see the value of His treasure, God is always looking for His lost coin. And it doesn't matter if we roll away into the dirtiest corner, God is always pursuing you, always chasing you down, always looking for a chance to interject in your trajectory. Even if you aren't seeking Him, God is always seeking you. And I'm so glad that God finds many people that way. He doesn't just interact with people who are only seeking Him. There's this other way of finding as described in the parable of the merchant with the pearl. The Scripture says that this guy was looking for fine pearls. This guy was already pursuing good things. This is a representation of what the Bible calls lovely and of good report. This guy was pursuing things that the world would say, that's good. And we know people in our world, people that may not follow Jesus, but they're lovely people. They're kind people. They wanna enrich the world around them. They fight injustice. They're salt of the earth. They are good people. But this verse says that you can pursue fine pearls without having a grasp of the ultimate priceless pearl. That you can be pursuing good things without being yielded to Christ without being submitted to who He is. But we see in this way, as He's pursuing these things, that God also interjects with Him. That there's this model that when you are pursuing good things, and for people, I don't know where you are on your journey, maybe you don't know Jesus personally. Maybe you're just here today and you know, I'll, I'll kind of suss this thing out. If you are looking for truth and you're looking for virtue, and you're looking for correctness and you're looking for the righteousness, what is the right way to go about things like this guy was looking for fine pearls, there will be a moment where Jesus will come and speak into your life and say something along the lines of the following that if you're looking for what is true, if you're looking for the way, if you're looking for what is valuable, take me and all these things will be added to you as well. And for us who maybe are following Jesus, but sometimes in our relationship, we don't feel close. Sometimes you walk with Jesus and it feels close. 
Sometimes you walk with Jesus and you can feel uh, intimate with Him, but there's these seasons where you feel distant. How do we pursue God in that distance? And it's the same way here. There was a man that pursued fine pearls, that even when we don't hear from God, even when maybe we don't see the correct path, the Bible says, hey, if you just keep searching for the fine pearls, if you keep following the ordinances of God, if you keep being obedient to the Word of God, then there is a moment where the presence of God is injected back into your life. And so both these ways are a way that we can find the treasure because the treasure of the Kingdom of God is revealed to unexpected eyes, but it's also revealed to souls that are seeking Him in that way. And so the treasure of God can be found by anyone. It's God's will that not one should perish. The treasure of God can be found by anyone. But then the final part of this message is the hard part. We can think that sometimes finding it under the soil is hard, that identifying the nature of it might be hard, but actually getting the treasure. This is the hard bit. This is where the parables converge again. There are two ways of finding, but there's only one way of getting. The phrase that is common to both parables, and we see this, it says this, the man sold all that he had and bought the field. In the second parable, the man sold all that he had and bought the pearl of great price. The common thread is that the person sold all that they had in order to get the treasure. And a wrong assumption can come into our minds here. And even upon first reading it, I might've made this assumption that as he sold, he didn't have enough to buy the field. And so he sold all that he had, so now he can afford the field. That's kind of an assumption, it's a trade-off. If I sell all my fine pearls, then I can afford this pearl of great price, the trade-off. But in doing so, that all, almost makes it a little bit about salvation by works. If what we bring can now afford this great treasure. But in neither of the parables does it say that. In neither of the parables in the Scriptures does it say that the man sold all he had because that was how much the field cost. He didn't say he sold all he had because that's how much the pearl cost. We make a wrong assumption if we think that by selling all the other pearls, we now have enough finance to buy this true pearl. Or that by selling all our other possessions, we had enough to afford the field. The parable isn't, this parable isn't saying that with all your assets, if you sell everything, you can now afford this treasure. It's saying that we must acknowledge that we have nothing of our own with which to buy it. We have no means at our disposal with which to gain this treasure. No, to sell all that you have is to first and foremost abandon hope in anything this world has to offer to bring you life and life and joy. That's what a first is, to release something, release your hope, release your trust in the things of the world and only then can you place your trust in the things of God. Because our souls are, are bankrupt and, and I don't have enough money to buy Jesus. I don't have enough virtue to wipe out my sin. I don't have enough good deeds to wipe out my guilt ledger. And Jesus in this parable is saying, I know you don't, but that's not how this works. It only comes from us abandoning hope in all the things on earth to give us that eternal life 
and happiness. To get the treasure is the removal of our grip, a removal of our dependence on these things to satisfy us and then a clinging of our soul to the one thing, the treasure, Jesus Christ, to bring that in our life. That's what these parables are saying. It's not a trade, it's not a work that achieves this. It's a dependence, it's a trust in Him. There's a lie I see a lot of Christians believing today either consciously or subconsciously. You may not know this about it, but when I I tell you, you might say, yeah, actually, I I do have that deep down. It's that if you follow Jesus 100%, if you commit all of who you are, you hold nothing back, you pursue Him with all you are, if you follow God with everything that you are, you will not be happy. That's the lie. That if you put all your eggs in this Jesus basket, all your eggs in the God basket, then you're gonna miss out on some of these life's pleasures that this world has to offer you or these things that can really make you happy. That is the lie that the devil told Adam and Eve in the garden. That if you just release your pursuit and your hold on God and take hold of these things, then you'll have control of your own happiness and you'll be better off. But Jesus says that I came to give life and life abundant, that true life, and joy and happiness and satisfaction and security is only found in Him. And by pursuing God 100% with all that you are, by seeking Him first, we actively deny the first lie told by the devil in the Garden of Eden. Pursuing God is the best thing that you can do for your life. Put your purposes, put your trust, put your meaning, put your path, your journey, place it in Jesus, because it makes sense to cast aside cheap pearls in order to hold on to the great pearl. It it makes sense to deny silver when you can have gold. This journey of seeking God is a constant sacrifice, willingly sacrificing second best in order to take hold of the best. That is what it means to finance our soul. And if the Holy Spirit is pressing on your heart today, I think The worst thing that we could ever do is something that is omitted in these parables, something that's not spoken about, that a man would see a flash of gold, that a person would see a great pearl, a person would see a flash of gold beneath the soil and instead of doing all they can to grab it, they kick soil back over the flash of gold because it seems too hard or it seems too foreign or they're content with a mediocre or a chaotic or a lonely life when God is saying there is a treasure that sits in your heart and satisfies all your human nature. When you pursue God and His kingdom, it'll bring a wealth to your soul. And when your soul is rich and when it is well with your soul, you can have a treasure and a satisfaction that no worldly force can take away, no time can rot and no thief can destroy. The kingdom of God is like a treasure and it's up to us to seek it out. That's what it means to pursue God. Let me pray as we close today. God, I thank You for Your teaching. I thank You for the Word that has gone out. I pray, Lord God, that we can be a people who deny the lie of the devil, that if we give it all to You, if we go 100% after You, that we won't be happy. But Lord God, we deny that today. We push back on that today and we trust You with our lives, with all that we are. We give You our purpose, our meaning. We find our security and our satisfaction in You. 
And Lord God, where we've been pursuing fine pearls, we lay them down for the sake of the ultimate pearl. And where we see treasure beneath the service, we pursue it, Lord God, as we press into all You have for us this year. And while all heads are bowed and eyes are closed, either in this room or if you're online, I wanna give an opportunity today for people who have never uncovered that treasure, never laid hold of that preciousness and that value that I've been talking about. And maybe as I've been speaking, you got a glimpse of that in your spirit of the value and the treasure that's found in God, but you've never taken hold of that with both hands. You've never pursued it with all you are, or maybe you did. Maybe you used to, it used to be everything to you, but the ways of the world and the things of the world have covered it back up with dirt and you've been pursuing the second best. You've been pursuing everything else. And just in this moment, this is a moment where I'm gonna pray with some people to put their trust in Jesus again. And if that is you and you need to take hold of the treasure that is Jesus today and follow Him again with all of your heart, I would just love for you to raise your hand so I know who I'm praying with in this moment. Just raise your hand. Thank you. Thank you for that hand. Thank you for that hand. I see that. Is there anyone else joining this? Thank you. I see those hands at the back. Thank you. Thank you, Jesus. Jesus, I thank you that in this moment that people have seen how valuable and how worthy and how amazing you are. I thank you that as their hands went up, their heart opened up, Lord to receive the Holy Spirit as a resident in their life. And as they sit under the Lordship of Christ again, I know that You are gonna put Your treasure in their heart and it's gonna go out into their whole life, bringing them purpose and meaning and joy and satisfaction. That bankrupt souls have now become financed again. We thank You, Lord, for the treasure of heaven entering into people's lives in Jesus' Name. Amen. Amen. Hey, we celebrate those decisions today. Those people grab hold of the treasure for themselves again.